Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. It is Monday, April 6th, time for a Mock Draft Monday. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. going to be joined by Ryan Wilson and R.J. White on this show. First and foremost, though, before we introduce R.J. and Ryan, make sure and set your calendars or rush to what, you know, rush to CBS Sports HQ right now if it's noon. At noon Eastern on Monday, we will have a two-hour mock draft, mocktacular special uh, featuring tons of writers, tons of trades, tons of trades. I can tell you that multiple veteran players were swapped in this thing. I had tried to acquire Alshon Jeffrey for some reason and couldn't even get him. Freaking Jonathan Jones, little cheapskate over there. Uh, anyway, check it out. CBS Sports HQ, free to watch, 24-7 streaming sports network. You can get it on your, uh, your, your phone. If you've got an app, you can get it on the Roku, Xbox, Amazon Fire, wherever else you get your CBS sports app, you can access it. So go check that out. Um, RJ, Ryan, how you doing? Good. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm good. Thank you for asking. I, I, I literally asked how you're doing. I said, I'm good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I felt a little bit of sarcasm in there. Well, I wanted to keep it short because you get angry if I start rambling on. So I just wanted to be concise and uh, wish you both the best. <laughs> such a sarcastic. How's that? Um, that's good. That's good. Thanks. Okay. So uh, mock draft Monday. Anybody feeling, RJ, you feeling good? Feel good? I did a, yeah. uh, I, I did a Zoom, uh, I did a Zoom, uh, trivia night with, but with six other couples. How did that go? Uh, it was great. Well, we're all friends. I mean, like we put up Zoom. Here's the issue. You like to talk a lot. Um, and you've been known to interrupt people on the podcast. Are you that same person on the Zoom calls? Like, are you trying to dominate the conversation? Ryan, my podcast personality is just me. No, I under, I've known you for a dozen years. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I've never been around you in a couple situation. I'm, I'm wondering maybe. I'm, if, and what I'm telling you is that the way I act on this podcast is how I act in real life. And you, you right. know that. It, it, nothing changes about me. I, I literally am myself. That's the beauty of it. You are, don't, you have are to gussy up, don't have to gussy up a personality. Don't have to like listen to, uh, you know, kickstart my heart in the Subaru, punch in the back seat for like five minutes to get ready for the podcast. Nope. Just walk upstairs and get going. And, uh, that's what we do. So yeah, I was, uh, I think I may be wearing the exact same outfit last night, yelling at uh, a bunch of our friends on there. My buddy Let Garrett, me- only, he, his wife only managed to get two answers correct in a two hour trivia game. Uh, he has apparently never seen res- it was nineties trivia, had never seen reservoir dogs, humiliating. Uh-huh. I'm gonna say I bet RJ is good at trivia, so give us a question. See who see who knows it. Okay. Um let's see. It was uh the one uh, here's it. Do you want a sports one? Do you want a movie one? What do you want? What do you want, RJ? Anything you want. I, I don't know how good I'm gonna be at nineties trivia. Uh just 
that that's so long ago that my memory doesn't hold up very well. So I might know it inherently, and I'll throw a guess out, but you know, I, I'm not one of these people that can retain knowledge for 20 years. I'm trying to think of what one of the questions was from last night. You were the uh, person who looked at T. Right, weren't you? No, no, no. We finished in uh, second place. We had my wife and I did. We um we had uh oh I know like one was like um which one of Beavis and Butthead have braces? Uh, Butthead. <laughs> It is yeah, I think, I think Butt has the dark haired one, right? Yep. Yeah. And okay. uh, which one? Uh, uh, it was like one of them wears a something something shirt. What is the, like one of the two t shirts that Beavis and Butthead wear? It was just stuff like that. And like then it was like one's ACDC. Yes, that's right. Good job. I don't. Um, that, Metallica, ACDC and Metallica. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Go. And uh, and then like one one of the questions that we had it was like oh Brinson got a sports one and it's like people were like pawing at the dirt. Hoping so badly that I would miss up the sports question. It was about the 92 Dream Team. So I asked Debo this. Uh, which one of these four people, Debo, were not on, not on the 1992? Oh, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. It wasn't Zeke. That, that's a good, everybody knows Jordan kept him off. That would have been a good one. Uh, it was Carl, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan. Um, who's the other name? Anybody. Uh, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, it's the last one you said. <laughs> right. Ter- but Shaquille, she, is that terrible? Everyone, uh, Debo, I mean, Debo's angry you asked him such an easy question. No, that's, that's fine. Well, she, there was a college player she, on that team. Christian, Christian Leitner. Leitner. That's exactly that. And I pointed that out in the whole thing. Oh, another good one. RJ, this one's for you. Uh, who won the 1994 World Series? Oh, I know that. Uh, and there was no 94 World Series. That's right. Hey. 94 World Series at the strike short season. I'm the only one who knew that on there, at which point in time my wife looked at me and said, you're a huge dork. Uh, th- I was like, yeah, obviously. There was also a, uh, a, a Backstreet Boys question or a Mickey oh. Mouse question. You need to breach for the like, Backstreet Boys question. It was like Justin Timberlake and uh, Ryan Gosling were in the Mickey Mouse Club together or whatever. And um, my buddy so, Garrett. What's Brittany's- that? Was she Mickey Mouse too, Britney Spears? I, I don't know. You're ruining the story. Um, Christina Aguilera was. That's Thank right. you. My buddy Garrett's wife got that <laughs> wrong. Christine. Larry Brinson. And then somebody pointed out and said, have you not seen the picture of Gosling and Justin Timberlake? And, and Garrett's wife responded. She goes, send it to me. So I've got something to sleep with tonight. Hello. It was a, it was good. For the joke there. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I that. All right. I didn't, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked with your exploits. Congratulations on your second place finish. I'm proud of you. Hey, look, man, it's weird times. Got to find a way to entertain yourself. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest on what's going to happen with the actual draft in this show. We will do a draft chart value analysis. RJ has put together a draft trade chart. You'll love it. Uh, and NFC and AFC South team-by-team team draft needs. Coming up on the podcast over the next fortnight. That's two weeks for uh, those who aren't with the cool kids, the cool cats, cool cats lingo. By the way, Tiger King it sucks. Wrong. Played out it sucks. It's overrated because everybody had to watch it. That's if the thing. You you it, watch, if you watch it first, you you liked it. If you watch it after everyone gets to hear about it, it's the worst. It's like watching a movie after Sean Wagner McGuff told you how great the movie is. Exactly. You're like this is vastly overrated. The first three episodes were good. Eh, after that, <laughs> New Ozark is very good though. Moving on, it's uh, awesome. It's very good. I haven't finished with it yet. Uh, Either. Darren Smith of uh, in San Diego told me it, it, he thought this season took it from a good show to a great show. I love the first two seasons. But that's great. Good. Yep. Uh, prospect ranking week. 
coming up on the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, this week, we will take care of the offense. Next week will be defense. We've got some non-draft stuff coming as well with some cool interviews coming up. So make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're one of those people who loves to, you know, loves a show that just comes out of the gate sprinting and dives straight into the football with no nonsense about, uh, you know, Zoom chats and 90s trivia, this is the show for you, baby. But in all seriousness, subscribe, rate, and review and tell a friend while you're out there. Mouth, word of mouth goes a long way towards helping us promote the podcast. So Adam Schefter reported that high-level officials from multiple NFL teams are now preparing to conduct the April 23rd to 25th draft virtually from home away from their team facilities. Uh, is this a – and I'm not questioning uh, Adam Schefter's reporting. Adam Schefter is very good at his job. But is this a surprise, RJ? Uh, no, um, you know, you, you'd figure when this started coming out that teams were going to have to isolate and that includes, you know, you can't have everybody in the draft room because that just, oh, that goes over the, the 10 person, you know, threshold that they try to say. And it's really not safe for anyone to be congregating in any situation. So you, you try to avoid it as much as possible. It just would seem to be safe to keep everybody at home. And then you get to the thing where there's, with there's no national like guidelines for what we have to do, no, no rules in place. And you kind of just have to go by whatever the strictest state is doing. Otherwise, it's not fair to everyone else. So at that point, whoever has the strictest rules in place, you're just going by those. So if everyone stays home, it's going to be interesting. It seems like there are going to be fewer trades since the people that have to coordinate and sign off on those trades are going to be in different locations. You know, there's some organizations where you get one difference maker, decision maker up at the top. They'll be fully prepped on the prospects they'll want to go get. So they'll be ready to go make the call in the moment. You know, Bill Belichick isn't going to be hampered by this. Guys like Howie Roseman, Eric DaCosta, they're going to be prepared because, you know, they just do that level of preparation. But Bill O'Brien's going to do whatever he's going to do also. But, you know, what happens when you get one of those guys trying to make a deal with an organization that drags their feet a little bit and uh, needs to, you know, sign off on a trade with several different people? And all those people are spread out in living rooms all over, you know, the the local area. So I think a deal falls through at that point. So we're used to seeing six, seven first round trades. We're probably going to see fewer. And when I do my mock draft, I tend to aim for like somewhere in the 30s. For the seven round mock draft, because that's about how many trades we see. You know, it could be half that this year, if that. Wow, 30 mock draft trades. That's insane, RJ. I will point out, Brinson, I don't think you mentioned this. Do you know what the Saints are doing for their draft? Uh, I don't. They are going to a Benson owned brewery, but there are rules. So I'm not sure how many people they're going to have there, but they're going to have them spread out six to 10 is this, feet. Is this the, the Saints, um, like, organization or the Saints, like, they're like, hey, bring ten fans or something like that. No, I think it's the the draft people, like the. So it'll be like Jeff Ireland and Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and whoever else. Maybe more, but they're they're going to be spread out um, because of social distancing inside this brewery, and they're going to take your temperature as you walk in the door. To uh, you know, if you have a fever, you don't get to go. So it's not a draft party; it's actually the draft room, the war room, if you will, and that's their plan. Um, our buddy Matt Tabeek, who is the. Uh, What's his official title for the Falcons? Um, digital, digital editor, maybe? I don't know. He was talking to Rich McKay um, on the website, and Rich McKay was was making it sound like that he is – what's Rich, Rich McKay's title? Uh, Rich McKay the, has been promoted this – Rich McKay is in charge of everything. People, no, it, he's on, been, the, uh, on the league, like when he works for the, the NFL. The chairman of the yeah. competition committee. Okay, so he was painting a pretty rosy picture. I would imagine some of that has to do with the fact that he – you know he is the chairman of the competition committee, but he expected this to go off relatively seamlessly. He didn't seem too concerned about the stay at home stuff. And he, he said the draft he expects will be exciting. 
Um, I would imagine <laughs> those are some of the talking points he got from the league because he certainly didn't say anything bad about the draft, which Roger Goodell will not allow you to do. Do we have any um... – oh, uh, <laughs> this is weird. I clicked on the first article. I Googled uh, over under NFL draft first round trade prop. <laughs> the first one I get is like uh, a title that it's like two, it's it's a CBS Sports staff article, but the subhead is R.J. White is one of the nation's premier NFL draft experts. Um, to find the lie first of all, but uh, I didn't know if there was a uh, uh, anything in here where you looked at the number of trades, R.J. No, that was aggregated from uh, Sportsline. The Sportsline article I gave my ten best props. Um, so I actually just sent in some revised props. I took a few off the board. I liked Makai Becton going on the over on his draft position when it was seven and a half because at that point you're really just saying, are the Giants taking him yeah. or, or are they taking one of the other tackles? Um, the tackle teams really started eight. That's now gone to eight and a half. So now I took it off the board because it seems a little harder to hit. I had both linebackers going under the totals posted, 23 and a half, 24 and a half, uh, between Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, just because it's, it's a tough position to find, you know, starting level talent this year. And there's enough linebacker teams. I think both of them are going to go 15 to 24. Both of them have come down to, you know, 21, 22. So I took those off, subbed in a few others, uh, took my long shot bet and tr- changed it into, uh, which team gets Isaiah Simmons. And I took Washington at, I believe, 50 to 1? 50 because, to uh, 1 JLC, for Washington? JLC was talking about how, you know, they like him as a prospect. And, you know, you start engineering trades. Miami's the most likely team to trade up for Tua when they get, when they get to five. The, te- the guys you're looking at, if you're Washington, is Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and Simmons. And so if, if they really like Simmons, that seems like a perfect spot to get him at, at five. So I like long shot, 50 to 1. It might be even a little bit more, but, uh, that was my would, big long shot. I, gave him. I would tell everybody to hammer that. If you can get 50 to 1 on Isaiah Simmons to the Redskins, I mean, they can take him over Chase Simmons. Ryan and I talked about this either on a podcast or with Chris Hare on the Chargers podcast. Hey, by the way, how about that, Ryan? They, uh, the Chargers edited the full video down to a cool promo and didn't feature me once. Oh, I didn't just know that. Ryan. Yeah. Just <laughs> Ryan. Awesome. Awesome. Ryan's like the only one on the video, not me. And it says like, and I, I, the Chargers didn't even tag me. Maybe it's because I've been tweeting about how I'm dumping the Chargers. Maybe I should stop doing that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to bring that up in the podcast, Chris, but I, that thought did cross my mind as we were talking about your Philip Rivers doll. I was like, yeah, did you see my Philip Rivers? Oh, right. You left him. Yeah, you jerks. Uh, anyway, RJ mentioned trades. Let me ask one thing quickly on the over-unders, because I think Kenny White and I were talking about that. I think this is still the number, RJ, and, and Brinson, you can join in as well. I saw 15 and a half on Jordan Love. Over-under on that. Yeah, that was also that's also one of my picks I have. I think I had it at 16 and a half at William and Hill. Uh, William Hill. Uh, I liked going under just because with the quarterback position, you see teams trade up to get the guy. And I think there's going to be a little bit of competition there in the back half of the first round for somebody to trade up. Uh, teams like the Broncos, Falcons, um, you know, e- even a few higher up than that. Maybe the Jets could be looking to trade down on a mass picks. So I think he could go higher. And that's all saying the Chargers don't take him at six because we don't know. They could like him over Herbert anyway. So maybe he just goes at six. And, uh, you don't even need a trade. So I, I kind of like the under. I see all the situations popping up where, um, under would be a better play there. I, I think under in general for quarterbacks, I mentioned this, I think on the, I, I, I we say a lot of things to a lot of people. We also say a lot of things on our, uh, Pick Six podcast, CBS Sports HQ show every single weekday, four to five Eastern. Um, you can watch that leading up to the draft, maybe beyond. We'll see. Make sure to check that out. If you like this podcast and you want to support us, viewing that show from four to five Eastern would be extremely helpful and would go a long way. So make sure and check that out. I'll be tweeting it out. Sean, 
Ryan, um, whoever else is on the show. And um, the reason that I mention it is because my brain has been more drained than usual lately. I think it's because of that show, Ryan. Like, we're doing this – we don't do the same thing twice. It's very different. But, like, you know, the topics are – you know, they're off-season NFL topics. They're fairly similar. And so it's like – like, I, I, I lose track of where I say certain things at certain times. But the point I was going to make is that I would not be surprised if a bunch of quarterbacks went early and you take the under on the quarterbacks because, like 2011, when there was a, a, a strikeout shortened off-season, you just – it was like – you know, you felt like more of a panic to try and go get these guys. And maybe that happens. The quarterback situation is a little more saturated in the NFL, so it might not be the case. But maybe that results in a few more trades despite people being at home, which brings us to RJ's trade chart, trade value chart. So um, you have this up on CBSSports.com. You posted it back on March 31st. Uh, it's not difficult to find. Just Google RJ White trade value chart. Uh, what was... I know that you talked about sort of the idea being that like Jimmy Johnson's trade chart, while still helpful, is not what teams are operating on anymore, right? Right. And um, this was a, an idea from uh, Pat's pulpit writer, Rich Hill. He had his trade chart a few years ago, and it, based, it was based on trades that had happened over the last five years, not what we think the trade, the value of these picks and what we think is going to happen. And I like that better. You know, base, base your totals on what's actually happened it just makes sense that's what we should expect to see going forward that hadn't his he hadn't updated his charts over the last i think two years and uh they were getting a little outdated to me and i wanted to generate something on my own where i could say okay going into 2020 this is how we we look at how pick that picks are valued especially with those kind of crazy 2018 where teams were trading up for quarterbacks um if we want to compare it to this year that could be the same thing four quarterbacks that go in the first round some teams trading up so i thought it was important to get that uh, together and kind of be able to compare with that year and specifically. Mm, I like it. And um, what, like when you look at it, did you, you know, do you, you mentioned like the quarterbacks, like, so when you try and figure out like what, the, what are the trade would cost? Let's say from two to, let's say Joe Burrow's going, did you even, do you even try to worry about like what a real, what a realistic, realistic cost would be from the dolphins to go to five to one? Or is it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you put a value on those picks, but you also have to be cognizant of what the draft class is, what, what the team is at number one, what their needs are. Bengals aren't going to trade that number one pick. I, I kind of speculated this is pulling a number out of nowhere that you'd have to beat even the number that's there by 10% just because Burrow is a better number one prospect than you usually see. So if it's the, the draft like the, um, the, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff uh, class, teams were trading up. They weren't paying full value for what that number one pick is because I think there was that perception that those two quarterbacks weren't as as um, uh, high valued as the other guys that we've sometimes seen in the class. And then you go to like try to square that with um, making it consistent with what teams paid to get up for Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, you know, that in 2018, it's just hard to make all those numbers fit. So you kind of do your best based on what the class presenting itself, what the needs are at the top. But then you also have to be aware of the situation, especially with those top, you know, one, two, maybe three guys. So in other words, like when we, when you go to this article, this is a, it is not a dynamic chart that can be applicable across multiple years. This is a 2020 chart. Like you have the number one overall pick worth a thousand points. And then there's a steep, steep drop off to number two to 664. I mean, that's a Joe Burrow factor, right? Uh, it's kind of with this, these numbers are based over the last five years. So in aggregate, it kind of like tries to average the down years where there's not a huge quarterback to move up for, but then 2018 where there was. So you kind of get the average. And I, I think by doing this five year, 
window, you, it's a good place to start from. And then you apply, is 2020 different? You know, are the quarterbacks more desirable? Are they, are they less desirable? And that's how you figure out your trade values. Okay. Um, Ryan, do you think, where are you at on the old number two pick? I know we talk about this a lot, uh, but do you think that the Dolphins will be actively trying to trade up? And what do you think is a fair market value to move up into uh, from number two, from number five to number two. Uh, Brian Diardo, by the way, wrote a trade scenarios where the Dolphins get the number two for number five and number thirty-nine. Which, I mean, no offense, Diardo, I don't think that's happening. I think that's RJ. Is that does your trade value chart agree with that pretty much? But you're saying that's what the trade chart says. Well, I haven't run the numbers, but in this case, I, I, w- I think that's low anyway. But when I was figuring out what trade would happen for the Dolphins, you have to take into account two as a better prospect than what was usually there at two. He's better than the second best quarterback usually has. So my, my projection is it's going to take at least five, 26 and 39. We'll probably get it done. That's kind of scaling up the number two pick from what the, uh, the Sam Darnold trade was, the, the point value for that. And, um, you know, putting, a few extra points, 50 extra points on the value they got to go from six to three in that situation. So I, I would kind of take it as look at what Darnold, look at what uh, the the uh, the Colts got for Darnold from the Jets, and then kind of apply it forward. Five twenty six and thirty nine. I would seriously consider that from the Redskins, and I would, as the Dolphins, feel like that it's 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 a good deal because I've been saying this. I don't either on the podcast or on the on the HQ show, Brinson. Like you, I can't remember what's what, but if franchise quarterbacks work out fifty percent of the time in the first round and Tua, you think it's going to work out 33% of the time? Roll the dice, man. you got three first-round picks. What are you waiting for? So I, I think you should do that if you like Tua. I will point out, RJ, that I actually used your draft value chart in an effort. Uh, I'm not sure when you were listening to this, listeners, but if it's before noon, please turn on CBS Sports HQ because I will absolutely demoralize Will Brinson, all the trade downs he did as the San Francisco 49ers. He got absolutely duped according to RJ's trade value chart. And I will point that out. Happy. I think I, I got duped. I think I think basic logic will tell you that I got duped. <laughs> Can't wait for that. I no, was trying. Not, to, I was trying. To, I was trying. To, my goal was to, um, frankly, to get out of the first round as much as possible and minimize how much work I have to do today. You keep saying that in front of people that have the authority to to hire or fire you. I don't understand. I mean, your... I don't. Well, I don't. I don't really feel that way. I'm, I also took two at number two overall in the previous mock draft, and then I made the draft all about me. You think I don't want to make the draft all about me? You sat there and talked about how all I want is it to be more me, 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 me. You think I'm really trying to, like, get out of me time? I love that you have a backup excuse for, to explain why you don't want to get out of work. Right, <laughs> right. Make sure you call Brinson Bill O'Brien as much as you can on this, this show. <laughs> Bill O'Brinson. There it is, Bill O'Brinson. <laughs> well, and what had happened? I mean, hey, wait, you are Bill. You're Bill O'Brinson. Nice. Great job today. I'm trying to think exactly what the trades were. I think I got like a third round pick. Crap, I mean, I the, have... prob- the, the problem is, is like you're, you're making these trade downs, but like there's no, like there's no consequence of the actual trade downs in the mock draft because we're only doing one round. So it's not right. like you don't, like you, you don't said, lose any. You could have said, I'll give you. All my first round picks from 2025 to 2030, and it wouldn't matter. Right. And we're not going to get to that point. Well, Jonathan Jones and Dave Richard were both like trying to play hardball. I'm like, just, can we just make a deal that, that like works out for everybody? Like, look, man, I want to play tennis. <laughs> I was driving back from playing tennis on that conference call. Yeah. Absolutely. 
But anyway, uh, any- number two, 26 and 39, I would do that in the heartbeat on the Redskins because at, uh, I mean, sorry, five, 26 and 39, because at five, you're either getting Akuda or you're getting Simmons or maybe, that's right, Chase Young slips down there if teams keep trading up. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think, and I, I think that to me, now the question is, like to me, that's a fair deal for both sides. Yeah. I don't know that the Redskins will ultimately be, would be willing to do that though. So at five, let's say you get Isaiah Simmons. So you have that on lockdown. At 26, uh, they need offensive line help. You can get a, you can get a, a left tackle there probably. Josh, 30, Jones. Is Josh Jones. Josh, Josh Jones might be there. Josh you might have to. Ezra Cleveland, whatever you decide to do. Um, 39, what else do they need help with? You name it. They you need get help a cornerback. If you don't get a Kuda in the, in, at five, you get a, you know, Igmanogany or whatever cornerback you like that's in that late first, early second range. Wide receiver? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you get Brandon Ayuk at the top of the third round, at the top of the second round. Um, Jalen Rager might be there. Yeah. And the other so, reason, the other reason it makes sense to trade if you're Washington is you got a new, new leader of your organization and you got Ron Rivera now in place and they traded away their second round or it's going to be the second pick of the second round this year. So when you trade down, you know, have three, you know, premium picks in the top 40 to, uh, bring in and kind of shape your organization the way you want it. Otherwise, otherwise you just say it too. And then you pick next at what, like 66, something like that. I mean, you got to take as many shots as you can to build the team up the way you want it. Let me ask you guys this. So let's say you get 5, 26, 39, and then you don't pick again to 66, RJ, you're right there. Let's say at 5 you get uh, Isaiah Simmons. At 26, Jordan Love's still on the board. What are you doing? Trading again. Brinson, you're all Team Tua for the Redskins. Jordan, are you taking Jordan Love at 26? Would you do that, Ron? No, I'm, add, I'm adding more pieces because I think that I'm not so – like, and it's – Jordan Love at 26 is not a bad idea. I don't hate it. But I think if you're – like the, the key for Ron Rivera and the key for any organization is that when you draft that quarterback in the first round, like you better – I feel like two is more ready to play right now, health issues aside, than Jordan Love would be from a schematic and you know physical throwing perspective and being ready for an NFL offense. And you st- like if you push out Dwayne Haskins for Jordan Love, you're starting Jordan Love's clock right away. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of the problem I think you would have if you're Ron Rivera. I'd rather add pieces and then have the option to dip back in next year if you found a quarterback you liked. Um, speaking of a quarterback you like, the Chargers might like a quarterback. They might want to trade up and get to, uh, make a splash in their new stadium. Uh, one of these trades that, uh, Diardo used, uh, the Chargers acquired number two overall for the number six overall pick in a 2021 second-round pick. Is that the Sam Darnold deal, I think? No, there were more no. second-round No, it's going to cost more than that. I, I think yeah, if I you're talking about for Tua and multiple – you know, all these Tua trades, we're talking about, A, he's healthy, teams are fine with his health, and, B, there's a market for him. There's multiple teams looking to get up. So they have, somebody has to beat somebody else. And so we're talking about high end of the spectrum. The, the, these offers are beating what I have in the charges because there's multiple teams trying to get up there. For the Chargers, I'm saying it take number 63771. That's their first, second, and third round this year, plus 2021 first. I think that's enough to beat what the Dolphins can offer. And Dolphins have all this draft capital, all these picks. You know, they could really beat anybody. But that, that would be the price that I think the Dolphins would bulk to, uh, to, uh, to beat. So if you're the Chargers, I think that's kind of what you have to have in your mind it's going to take. You can try to negotiate for less and then have that as your final offer in your back pocket. But, you know, first, second, third, and then a future first in my mind. 
Is he actually? I don't think he's using your trade chart. He doesn't mention it in the top of the thing. The 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 Redskins are not moving down to number six for a twenty twenty one second round pick. That's that's not happening. Like that's a don't call if you're the Charger. <laughs> don't bother. Like Tom Telesco's not calling. Like hey, uh, you guys want a twenty twenty one second round pick? We'll just swap second and six. That ain't happening. Come on. Right? Yeah, and part of part of it is the part of it is the motivation factor. Like what that's another one of the points I made at, at the top of the chart is you have to figure who needs this trade more. Is it a team trying chart, to trade down in a mass? I think your is, chart would say that a twenty twenty one first round pick. Yeah, probably. Um so you like I said, who needs it more? So does the team is like if it's the forty ers they want to trade down in a mass picks, you know, so you might be able to get less for their pick than you would if it was another team picking it. 31 or 13 or whatever. Or in this case, we're talking about teams trading up for one and more than the team trading back because then you're passing on Chase Young or whoever else you're looking at at number two. So you have to kind of frame it as who wants it more. In this case, I think you have to to uh, give the, the Washington more than you normally would in the trade value chart. But there are other cases where you might get away with giving up, you know, whatever the point total is, maybe a little bit less just because they're motivated to trade down. Uh, and I'm not trying to blast the Arder's article here, but yeah. Okay. I'm just not trying. I mean, I just, if if you're if you're if you're Ron Rivera and Kyle Smith, and Tom Telesco calls you and offers you the number six pick in a 2021 second second rounder for number two overall, what is your response? You say yeah. no, obviously. I there there are other trades in there though that kick, kind of fit. Kick the rocks, trade. bro. That's what you say. Kick you're not like, oh, thank you for that offer, Tom. That was a very generous and, and normal and perfectly uninsulting offer. Uh, we'll have a great day. Enjoy your afternoon. I'm sorry. We are going to take Chase Young. Uh, no, you're like, are you kidding me? Why did you waste my time? Kick rocks, bro. <laughs> That's All right. Um, There's still time. They can say that. How about the Jaguars? The Jaguars acquire number three and number 109. For from the Lions in exchange for number nine and, and number twenty, that can't be right. Oh. Yeah, that, yeah, and that that's actually about fair for the uh, the draft chart. But again, you get in a situation nine and twenty for three and one and nine. That that, that I, that's fine. I like that. Yeah. So that's about even. Um, you know, they're 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 slightly beating the 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 total on the Jaguars side. So that would make sense in a bubble. But again, you know, it's compet- if it's a competitive market for two, you're going to have to trade more. So I would see number three for nine twenty and the twenty twenty one first because you got to figure you're going to get three premium picks. See, not, that's how the two market is. But see, I would counter that by saying if we get to if Tua gets to three, if the Redskins end up picking Chase Young at two overall. And we get to number three, it means there probably isn't that competitive of a market for Tua and that two first round picks, uh, could actually get it done. It would be my, my theory there. Possible. I mean, you, you could use that, uh, same logic for 2018, where if the Giants don't, you know, trade down, then, then that means there's not a competitive market. But yet the, uh, the Jets still were able to get, had to trade three second round picks to move up three spots to get Darnold. And it was just because the Giants, you know, they, the, they stuck to their guns and they had to get Saquon Barkley and they wouldn't risk losing him at all. So, um, you know, it just kind of depends on what GM you're working with. So who knows? Yeah. All right. I, I just think, I just think if maybe, I mean, maybe the Redskins are that sold on Chase Young. Feels like we would already been locked into that a little bit more than, than we already, than we already were. Uh, the Buccaneers acquired the seventh and 152nd overall picks from the Panthers in exchange for 14th. And 45th overall is this thievery from John Breach and Jonathan Jones. Uh, that's, that's about right. Go ahead, Ryan. 
No, I was going to say I'm okay with this if the Buccaneers are trading up to get an offensive tackle, like a right tackle like Jedrick Wills. Absolutely, because Tom Brady, you know, we've talked to this to death. They don't have a right tackle on the roster, blah, blah, blah. Tom Brady's 43. Give him a second-round pick uh, to protect them, and you still have your third-round pick. You can draft the receiver. So for me, I'm fine with it, RJ. Yeah, I think the value is fine. Um, I, I would project to just take the 1445, and that's it. You know, if if you're motivated to move up, um, maybe the 184 goes back, but I don't think the Panthers are going to want to move any of these picks. They want to get stock their organization with guys for the new coach Matt Rule, and uh, you know, get as many guy of his guys in the, in the uh, the fold as possible. So I would say you don't have to throw one pick back, but if you do, if you do, maybe a little bit less. Um, but yeah, 1445 should get it done. Okay, I like the idea that. The Buccaneers moving up, by the way. I think that well, makes a lot. What happens if there's a – unless they love Josh Jones, who's by most accounts the number five offensive tackle in this class, and he's the first-round pick, I feel like. Unless they like him, I do want to see what happens if three offensive linemen go off the board, like in the top eight or nine picks. Like, do they – are they going to sit pat? Because they have to have a plan that involves yeah. somebody being over there. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So your break when we come back. Who do the Buccaneers need? Who do the Panthers need? Why would they be making that trade? And would it make sense? We'll break down the AFC North and the NFC North team needs coming up after the break. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up a new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The Carolina Panthers, we're obviously starting at the top of the NFC South here. Just kidding. Uh, mm. It is the bottom. But the Carolina Panthers are here. They have a high pick. They have lots of needs. What, RJ, do you think is their biggest need? I would say cornerback. Uh, we saw them lose James Bradbury, and they just don't have anybody that I would trust to be that shutdown corner. they got a good one in Dante Jackson, but I think you need more in that secondary. So that would be my number one need, but I think it kind of needs up and down the roster, uh, you know, specifically on defense. It should be their focus. I've found, Ryan, the Panthers to be one of the hardest teams to mock in all of football, which is really weird. And, like, I'm not – I'm this, this is going to sound like a douchey humble brag, but, like, I've been very good about – uh, Brian leaned back and crossed his arms, wiped his glasses. Little, can't wait to hear this one. Uh, uh, I, I, I've been, I've been pretty accurate over the years with the Panthers drafts. Like, I feel like I have a really good, um, pulse on what, what they've wanted to do in certain spots. Like, I was one of the few people who had him taking Luke Keekley, uh, where they did, um, nailed a bunch of their earlier picks. But, like, I really don't know what Matt Rule is going to do here. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any way to know what his, and I, I think it is a Matt Rule thing. Like the dude got that contract. This is not Marty Herney making the pulling the trigger on the, and having the final say. Like I think David Tepper is letting Matt Rule build his program in Carolina, and and as such, like I just don't know. Like, is he going to want to get an offensive lineman? You know, is he does he believe that uh, he can coach that up? Does he think? 
you know, it's tough to develop him. You should get those guys in, in free agency. Does he want to build from the defensive line out? Or, you know, we've seen plenty of teams like follow the Bill Belichick and PFF analytics model and build from the back end uh, with cornerbacks. Like, I just don't know what they're going to do. And it's, uh, you know, they have, and they have so many needs. I mean, it just, it's yeah, all over. He ain't done a ton of stuff in free agency. So if he's going to do it, he needs to hurry up. And I think to RJ's point, you could draft anybody anywhere and make that team better because they, they suck up and down the roster. Outside of quarterback and, and run CMC and the wide receivers okay, but they need some depth there, I feel like. Where else are they dominating? I think there's a case to be made that if, like, Joe Brady is legit based on what he did last year with LSU. Like, I'm not expecting that. Did Teddy you LSU was lining up out there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're a better roster than the Panthers. But, I mean, like, the Panthers have – you know, Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. I mean, like Ian Thomas is a player. Like they've got, I mean, they've got. <laughs> that's a breach. Like, that's a breach scouting report. That guy is a player. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I said, I said anything you know, like that. What I meant was like, I think Ian Thomas can be a good player and I think people are sort of sleeping on him. But my okay. point being is that I, I think Carolina has a, enough offensively, even the offensive line concerns me, but uh, weapons wise, I think Teddy Bridgewater has enough to work with. If Joe Brady's offense is going to be a legit, NFL offense, and I think they can be okay on that side of the ball. The defense, though, looks like it could just be horrendous, which is why, I mean, maybe a guy like I, you know, we heard, uh, Joe, Bra- you know, Joe Burrow told Wilson, and you said this on the podcast, that he, he, he was in charge of looking out for Isaiah Simmons. That was the guy he was always had to look out for. And I would imagine that Joe Brady told him that. I would imagine Joe Brady is in Matt Rule's ear about Isaiah Simmons. So maybe they love him. I don't know. Well, the, my seven round mock draft that came out Monday. First four picks are all defensive players, so that should give you Starting with Derek Brown, then Noah Igbanaminimini. It's like (laughs) mahogany. I had it until I thought about it, and then I was was screwed. Um, Yeah, then you had taken Terrell Burgess, Davion Taylor. Yeah, I think think they would be wise to trade down, but, you know, who knows. Well, the Panthers, I just think the Panthers are hard to get a a grasp on until we see what Matt, how Matt Rule wants to approach this. Uh, the Buccaneers, though, pretty easy to know what their biggest need is, right? It's, uh, a quarterback. A what? Oh, (laughs) I was, I was, I went into zone out mode. Yeah. Uh, offensive tackle. Right. A light laugh from RJ for that. Thank you. And I was laughing at the what. Uh, yeah, offensive tackle is, is obviously a key need. Um, I think they have a big need in the secondary also. Uh, you know, get, I, I wouldn't trust either of those safeties starting long term. I think you could bulk up at cornerback. So, um, one of the things I like to do in earlier mocks was to have them package 45 and 76 to get up to 31, where, you know, San Francisco's going to be looking to trade down. And if Xavier McKinney's there, you know, kind of get, get him to lead your defense moving forward, the, the secondary, after you get your tackle at 14, if you're not trading up. So, I think you kind of got to look at, even though they have Tom Brady, they still have a lot of other needs on that roster. So, you know, target one of those top offensive tackles and then see what you can do later, maybe trading up for a guy like McKinney. So, in my seven, and by the way, that seven round mock draft took me about 12 hours to do. I can't imagine RJ's doing 30 trades. I had zero trades just because I was exhausted. So, hats off to you, RJ. You're literally going to kill yourself doing a seven round mock draft with 30 trades one day. Be careful. So I had them taking Josh Jones in the first round, and then I had him taking KJ Hamler to the slot receiver out of Debo's guy out of Penn State who can also return kicks just because um, he's small. But guess who loves throwing the small slot receivers and is really good at it? It's going to the Hall of Fame, Tom Brady. And then the third round I had him taking a running back, Zach Moss, who may or may not be there depending on the medicals and, you know, how things fall out in front of them. And uh, that gives them a, a dynamic running back. Just uh, So basically the anti-RG approach of fixing the defense. Um, I think they drafted like five of the first six picks last year were defenders. A lot of them played. 
Um, so I went offense heavy, and then I actually actually had him taking a center in the fourth round, Tyler Biotish, uh, to offer a little depth behind um, uh, Ryan Jensen. Yeah, they've got a really good front seven. I just don't know that secondary is going to hold up when Drew Brees just got Emmanuel Sanders to go with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think you're battling them to win that division, and if they can throw it all over you, then then you're in trouble. So I think you have to at least put some of your focus into upgrading that secondary. I don't mind it. I, I, I do think that they will – how much impact do you think Tom Brady will have on the draft picks? I bet a lot. I mean, I, I, think, yeah, I think they probably had that conversation on the phone before they decided to – Dot the I's and cross the T's, right? I mean, yeah, I you expect them to have some input, but, uh, you know, he's, they're not going to be in the same room, obviously. So he, he just kind of has to get, tell you the guys he likes and you go from there. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be like making like the picks or anything like that. I just think he's going to be somebody who, like, I think he, he, his presence on the roster is going to influence their decision making in the first place. Um, and then I would anticipate, uh, that with, Tom Brady there that he would be able to say, Hey, look, like, I think we should do this or this. Like, I, I just, I mean, like, like he's not gonna be like, Hey, Bruce, draft Josh Jones. I love Josh Jones, but I think he's gonna, he will have some say in what they're gonna do or the, the philosophical approach that they will use to, uh, going after certain guys. The Falcons, what's their biggest need, uh, RJ outside of, you know, winning games so Dan Quinn didn't get fired? It's not like a broken record, but cornerback. I mean, they got rid of Desmond Trufant. They don't have anybody really to replace him. I think they could take multiple corners in this draft. Uh, really, up uh, again, up and down the defense. You know, defensive line still needs help, even with the additions they made, um, bringing in Fowler. Uh, linebacker, I could see them. At 16, if they don't, if TJ Henderson isn't there, maybe looking at, uh, Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. Um, really anybody at defense at 16. I would be fine trading down, amassing some picks at 16, and then picking a defender in the 20s as well. Yeah, um, usually I have C.J. Henderson going there at 16. This uh, mock draft, Kalamon Chase on the edge rusher at LSU was there, so I had them taking him, and then they circled back in round three to get a cornerback in Damon Arnett, who played opposite of Jeffrey Akuda. Um Really good cornerback, not quite as athletic or fast, but he's definitely worth third-round pick. Second round, I had him taking uh, defensive tackle Justin Matabique out of Texas A&M. Uh, I like him a lot. He's, he's explosive, he's fast, he does a lot of things uh, that you want your defensive tackle to do. And then... They're next to last, last pick. I haven't taken Eno Benjamin, the running back at Arizona State. Pete Briscoe's guy. Wait, what round did you get Eno Benjamin? 143. What is that, RJ? Fifth? Uh, fifth round. Yeah. I love Eno Benjamin. That dude is fast. Yeah, he didn't have yeah. a great year last year, better in 2018, but they're, they had a uh, freshman quarterback. and But he can catch passes coming out of the backfield, and I would guarantee he'll be almost as productive as Devonta Freeman at a fraction of the cost. Yeah, this would be a fantastic draft for them. I think just looking at their picks in total, I think they you come out of this draft, you give them an A for this this draft class. Thank yeah. you. Congratulations on fixing the Falcons. What about the Saints? Very complete team. Are they be targeting a quarterback, or they think they go for keep going for broke here? Uh, yeah, let's get some immediate help in round one. Try to try to win a title. Our window is now, and Breeze is going to be retiring soon. Um, so corner again. All the all these teams can use cornerback help. Linebacker. Um, they have Demario Davis, but you need more impact players on the on the linebacker you know level next to them. And then you can start looking for your your quarterback of the future. Maybe try to get one in round three or four. Read my mind, R.J. Kenneth Murray, linebacker in round one. Jalen Hurts at number eighty-eight. The new Taysom Hill, younger, less injury prone. Better passer. I would actually like to see him in that offense. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, Drew Brees may or may not retire next year. It depends on, on which 
Sean Payton you're getting. And then uh, I get James Prochet, I think, in the fourth round, 130. Uh, slot receiver out of SMU. Fantastic hands, and he's he's fun. He's a guy who would have a lot of success in that offense. And then I'll mention Legereus Sneed there, their last pick. He ran like a 4.37 in the combine, 6 feet, 200 pounds. He can play cornerback or safety, and he'll be a special teamer. But um, one of those athlete guys who can, who can do a bunch of things that um, you add at the end of the end of the draft, and he's on the end of your roster, and you give him a chance to try to make the team. And that Jalen Hurts thing, that Jalen Hurts thing really makes sense because if they're really serious about Taysom Hill, maybe I don't know about a franchise quarterback, but maybe doing like an offense built around Taysom Hill's skill set, then you want to have a guy with a similar skill set that that could run that same offense in case he gets yeah. injured. What, which one of these guys, whatever, whatever guy emerges, you know, the second guy can run that offense. You don't want to have, you know, uh, you know, a tall statue, tall, tall statuesque kind of guy. Your your Jake Fromm's, your Easton's, whatever, running an offense that uh that Taysom Hill is trying to run because it's just not going to work. Like uh, Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco was a backup, for example. That didn't work, yeah. so you get our three. Um, I was I was going to say that I was a little surprised that Jalen Hurts would go that high. Like a team like the Saints that wants to win now would go that high. Well, I mean, I feel like if Jordan Love's hanging around like a 17, 18, 19, 20, I bet the Patriots and the Saints have a long conversation about going to get him because Sean Payton loves Patrick Mahomes. He loved him a lot, and um, – you know, Jordan loves his drawn comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, yada, yada, yada. It's also going to be interesting, at least the first few rounds, I think. Um, Patriots are 23, Saints are 24, and they're jockeying for a lot of the same positions. So that could be a, a sort of game within the game to watch on draft night. Okay. Moving along to the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What is their biggest need, aside from – being uh, stuffed into a cannon and shot to London. Uh, they can draft pretty much anyone. You know, they they've had to tear down the roster with guys that wanted to leave and and you know send them out for draft picks and and so they're they're kind of like you know open season cornerback. I think they need a, obviously they lost Ramsey and Bouye over the last year. Left tackle, you get somebody there. You can move Cam Robinson inside. He hasn't worked out. Quarterback even you know Gardner Minshew. We we like him, but we don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. So if you have a guy that that you want, you think can be that impact franchise quarterback, having Gardner Minshew on your roster should and preclude you from taking him. Yeah. Um, in this draft, I actually had them taking Justin Herbert at number nine. He slipped because Isaiah Simmons went six to the Chargers. I I do wonder, will they will they pass on Justin Herbert if he were there at nine? I, I feel like they would just because just to be stubborn. But um, to RJ's point, and Prisco's been saying this for months, he wants them to take an offensive tackle and a defensive tackle. So um, knowing that, I had them take a, a cornerback at number 20, H.E. Terrell, but they did circle back and get Neville Gallimore, a defensive tackle, in round two. Kyle Duger in round three, um, the linebacker slash safety from small school. Your hometown, Lenore Ryan, you have someone that lives out there in Hickory, don't you? Me? Yeah. I've driven by Hickory a bunch, yes. Oh, I thought you had some some peeps that lived out in Hickory. But um, got him there. That's where Madison Bumgarner's from. I'm sure I know people. Right, Alec Campbell, local radio producer, a uh, good buddy of mine, produces okay. Adam Gold, so he, he's from Hickory. Okay. Um, and I don't have them taking an offensive tackle till the fourth round. Alex Taylor, who's a small, not small, yeah, small school guy, South Carolina State, extremely raw. So they have, um, they don't address that need right away. So that's potentially a concern, but they did get Justin Herbert, uh, assuming that's, you know, that's something they're, they're thinking about doing, upgrading the, the quarterback position. And if you don't think you're going to take a quarterback, just sub in a tackle there at nine. You know, they get one of the top tackles at number nine, and then that, t- that class is looking pretty good there. Okay. 
Jags, you know, by the way, the Jags have like secretly not been that bad at drafting over the past five years. But their drafts are not that bad. Like they, they have drafted. They can't find a quarterback. Everything else is they not terrible. They stink at the quarterback and they let, but like you got Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe. And like you just can't keep them around. Like you can't make these guys happy. Like that's the problem. Well, to, in their defense, unlike Bill O'Brinson, they get two first round picks in exchange for Jalen Ramsey. They just give them away. So that's the good news. But the bad news is no one seems to want to be there. That's fine. I'm just saying, like, I mean, there's a lot of good players that they brought in, like Josh Allen, uh, Taven Bryan, TBD, but DJ Chark's been a, a baller out of the second round. Um, uh, Leonard Fournette, Cam Robinson, DD Westbrook's fine. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe, the first three guys in that draft. That's ridiculous. The wide, the, the, the linebacker they retired last year. He was like a mid round pick. He was really good. What's his name? Talvin Smith, fifth round yeah. pick back in 2014. Yeah. Blake Bortles. Jeez. And they even did Allen Robinson, but like they couldn't keep Allen Robinson around. He got hurt, but yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> Josh Scobie. <laughs> Love Josh Scobie. The Titans. What do we think their biggest need is, RJ? You can go corner again. It doesn't look like I, – I think I said corner every single team in this draft, but you can never have too many corners. That's just the nature of the NFL, you know, with all these teams throwing the ball around and these great receivers out there. Um, but Logan Ryan, it doesn't look like he's going to come back, so they, they need to replace him. They could also use more help in the front seven. I know Prisco wants them to get another edge rusher and an interior lineman. Um, then, you know, start building on the offensive line. Another guard would help, uh, an offensive tackle just in case Dennis Kelly isn't, isn't your long-term issue, you know, situation at, at a right tackle. So any of the, any of those would be fine. I think they kind of have more needs than most of those teams near that are drafting at the bottom of the draft, uh, that ha- are pretty well set up to compete next year already. Okay. Yeah. I had him going, uh, you took Matos, you got to Penn State, um, then Bryce Hall in round two. At the end of round two, um, Bryce Hall was my CB1 coming into the season, and he had the ankle injury, and he can didn't he, play. He can, can he sneak into the first round? I don't think so. I think the injury thing, and it's just the first round is so packed with players right now. It would be it would be a, a shock if he snuck into the first round, just because of the injuries, and he he didn't run to the combine. I'm assuming I don't think he had that pro day before we shut everything down, so there are probably a lot of question marks about him. Uh, round three, Adam taking Bryson Hopkins, who's the uh, tight end out of Purdue. He is crazy athletic. He dropped a lot of stupid passes that if he can clean that up, he's going to be a really good player. I like the idea of him and John New Smith and Berkser as the uh, three-headed tight end monster. And then Calvin Throckmorton, to RJ's point, is uh, a versatile offensive lineman. He can play just about anywhere, so he adds some depth um, at pick 174, which must be round five or six, I think. What, um, what's the ceiling for... Yitter Gross Matos. He's raw now. The issue with him is um I mean not- ceiling in the draft, sorry. See like draft position. Oh, oh yeah. Uh if he fell out of the first round, I'd be like, okay, I can understand that. He has a lot of growing to do. But I feel like let's see, twenty, twenty one, uh I think this I don't think he would go any earlier than maybe the Patriots at twenty three. But I don't know. Like I don't know what every team feels about him, but I would yeah. say look at the twenties. I could see him going as high as 16, just if that's a, if the defensive end is a priority for several teams and Caleb on Chasen goes a little higher than we think, you know, in the nine to 12 range and Atlanta sitting there at 16 saying we need to get a defensive end. Maybe then the Cowboys saying we want to get a defensive end. Um, and if those teams have Ichiro Gross Matos as their number three at the position, that, that could be where he goes just a little, it's going to be an overdraft at that point, but you know, all it takes is the defensive line coach and the coaching staff to fall in love with his potential and he could go that high. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, moving to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they don't have a first-round pick because they traded it to the San Francisco Irish for DeForest Buckner. Um, Let me ask. But, yes, go ahead. Ask away. Better, better trade deal. Knowing what we know now, nothing else. Thirteen for DeForest Buckner, or eighteen for my boy Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Um, 18 is a great, or a better question, uh, <laughs> getting the Redskins second round pick in the Montez sweat trade. Cause that's the answer. That yeah. was, that was really smart by Chris Ballard last year to like identify the Redskins as a de- team desperate to trade back up into the first round, a team that could potentially stink this year. And, uh, they got 34th overall. Like that's a great, you know, that's a great, and it makes it a lot easier to give the 13th pick when you virtually have another first round pick coming at 34, 34 ish. Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, okay. What, uh, what, what are their needs? Give me a need. Uh, I, I would say receiver. Uh, we've seen T.Y. Hilton struggle with injuries, and they never, haven't really had a second receiver that could step up into that number one role when he gets hurt. So I think receiver is really the key thing. That's probably where they were going to be looking at 13 if they didn't make that trade. Um, you could also look defensive end and, and safety, you know, get another safety uh, to start there. And then I think they're pretty pretty well set, you know, on both sides of the ball in terms of starting lineup, and then you're going with depth from there. So uh, I think receiver is the key thing. I think you want to get Rivers a big target in the passing game. I, I think if I'm at 34 or 44, I'm looking at guys like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, even Michael Pittman, I think would be a good big target for him. That kind of does something different than T.Y. Yeah, I think in my three-round mock draft last week, I had T. Higgins going to the Colts for that very reason. This this time around, I had LaVisca Chenault going to 34. He has to be healthy. At 44, I'm taking offensive tackle. Austin Jackson at USC, assuming he's still there. Uh, Costanzo, I think, only signed a one-year deal, but you still need depth behind him at some point. Then at 75, the third round, I'm taking tight end Cole Komet because uh, Ebron's gone. They still have Jack Doyle, but um, he could be the the Hunter Henry uh, of, of the Colts. And then the very last pick, 197 for the Colts, Georgia Southern kicker, Tyler Bass. Strongest leg in the draft class. Uh, What's-his-face retired? Vinatieri. Any issues with that? Um, no? You okay with it? I, yeah, I like Vinatieri, it. Did Vinatieri retire? No, it, I think it's still <laughs> here think with Will. Uh, from last time, out, he's still making up his mind. So, so uh, no, he's, he hasn't retired officially yet. Uh, I know because Breach wrote a uh, Adam Vinatieri retirement post in November, like after one of those games, and it's just uh, been pinned in Slack for us for months. So uh, <laughs> I've, been tra- I've been wanting to get they, rid of it. Vinatieri like, made a very clear, like, I'm like I'm thinking about retiring, like statement. And the Colts called a press conference. It was like, oh snap, like this is actually happening. And then nothing happened. Um, but yeah, he's a free agent, so the, I mean, the Colts need to get somebody else. And pretty clearly, uh, you know, it's the type of thing where, you know, if you're if you're the Colts, you can't be that bad at kicking for that long. RJ, what do you think about the needs? <laughs> I thought Ryan, Ryan left our Skype chat. I thought he was so offended that he just like hung up. Like, how uh, dare you call me out on Vinatieri's status? I'm such a how moron. How dare you? Yeah. Hit the button, of course. No, you're fine. Uh, what about the Texans? Biggest need. Their first pick is number 40 overall. Yeah, they have a couple needs on, uh, defensive side. They need a, another edge presence. They traded away Clowney. They got really nothing from him. So, uh, they're still looking to uh, replace that player. I think cornerback again, they, they could, they could be one of the teams that need more cornerback help. Uh, and then you're also looking defensive line. Uh, I think the offensive line's in a pretty good spot at this point. 
So, um, you know, maybe that's not as much of a need as it's been in the past, but you still got to think about getting better depth at tackle and guard. Um, so I think there are, you know, pretty evident needs on the defensive side. That's probably where their, their focus should be early on. I'm here. Don't worry. <laughs> you can't see this because it's an audio podcast, but Wilson accidentally hung up, came back, mentioned that he hit the wrong button, and then immediately hit the wrong button again and disappeared. It's, In my it's, defense, I was trying to close Google Chrome, um, and when I pull up Google Chrome, then the little small box for Skype will show up like three seconds later, right before I hit close, and it's Skype. So I kept hanging up on myself. Come on. I, I've uh, had I've I've had that happen before. Also, um, uh, this happened. We were recording this on Sunday. I was setting up a, uh, a Zoom meeting for my in-laws and their family to get together and have drinks and talk to each other. And my mother-in-law, my wife and I were testing it out in three different locations to see if it would work and to make sure we had everything smoothly so we didn't have to deal with all this stuff at 6.30 or whatever. Uh, and my mother-in-law couldn't get her audio to work properly. So she made my stepfather-in-law pull over on the side of the road as he was driving to try to figure out how to, how to operate it. And all of a sudden, my phone starts exploding with calls and texts. Um, suffice to say, there will be some, some – there were – it's happening later tonight after we finish recording. I'm sure there will – I'm sure it will go smoothly and there won't be any issues at all. My biggest takeaway from that story is that you actually planned ahead to do something. I'm very proud of you for that. I guess AK had more to do with it than you. It was a situation where it was someone else's idea, and it was sort of like hanging out in the in the in the the mall on who was going to handle the logistics of it. And you know, there's one nerd in the family. Yikes! Let me ask you this: Is there anything that you're not late for? Like you will make a point. Was I on time for this podcast? I think it was a minute too late. I mean, like routinely that you're on time for. Uh, tea times. Yeah, you have to be on time for that. All right. I would think you might show up late. I don't know. Tea times. Uh, I'm definitely on for tea times. Okay. As for the Texans, I had him taking Marlon Davidson at number 40. He uh, played next to Derek Brown. Uh, he can play edge rusher, and he can also kick inside too, so a little versatility there. Then I had him taking Cam Akers, the running back at 57 from Florida State. I like him a lot. He doesn't bring a lot in the past game, at least not at Florida State, but that could change. Uh, he's a dynamic runner. Uh, edge rusher Jonathan Grenard out of Florida at pick 90. And then I had him taking uh, Isaiah Hod- Hod- Hodgins, excuse me, wide receiver. Um, big guy, 6'4-ish, I think. He ran like a 4'6 and change. Uh, big catch radius guy. Sort of sounds like if you squint a little bit like Nuke Hopkins, but he's not quite that dynamic. But they they got to get some wide receivers there because um, I don't think Randall Cobb is going to be able to make up for all the pr- productivity lost with Hopkins now in Arizona. It's – they at least have three picks in the top 100. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but like just thinking about the Texans and what they've done, I mean, you know, at least getting the second round pick from the Cardinals back in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Like, I mean, I think you should have got a first. If it's me, I want at least a first for DeAndre Hopkins. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just saying like, it feels like, like you, when you think about what all the stuff Bill O'Brien's done, you're expecting to look at it like their first pick is like 171. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not quite that early. Oh, that late, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, good not- job, good job, Texans. Great trade. I and mean, how do you not get forty and a twenty twenty one first round pick? I mean, that's got to be where the offer is for Hopkins. You want Hopkins? He's gonna make you one of the favorites in that. You know, maybe not the favorite in that division, considering how good that division is. But he's gonna really elevate your offense. You got, you better give me the the twenty twenty one first plus his four number forty. And if I got to take, you know, your third and maybe, but you know, give me that twenty twenty one first at the very least. Yeah, I got three first for you, RJ, to explain why, Bill. Oh, Princeton. Princeton. 
I love that. Beer. That was the end of the podcast. No, no, we're ending the podcast on that. It's wow. over. It's over. I think it's over. Subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure to check out the Pick 6 Podcast Show, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS Sports HQ. Follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson CBS. Follow RJ on Twitter at RJ White One. Check out his picks on Sportsline. Remember, you can't gamble on anything right now because there's no sports unless you're a marble degenerate like Debo. So instead, you would need, you can, however, gamble on the NFL draft. We'll have tons of props coming up, uh, later on this week to get you ready or maybe next week, whatever it is. We will be, we'll have you covered in terms of prop bets for the NFL draft. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. See you guys tomorrow. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.